Crowley and the Hell Heist Hoodwink. A Good Omens podfic, written by Entangled Now and read by Sky Asimaru as Aziraphil and Crowley. The Lord of La Mancha as Eric, Eric, Eric and Eric. And Jab as narrator Borgen, Dagon, Hester, Beelzebub and Gabriel. Control Room 6. Hell is always watching. Do we have anyone on Earth right now? Eric looked up from his copy of Summoning Tips Get Noticed in Occult Circles to find a more confused version of his own face. Don't think so. Mantis came back a couple months ago, and Balath was discorporated in London. I think they were the only two up there. Why? Someone's in the lift. What? No one's supposed to be in the lift. Oh no, did we miss something? Did we have any infernal packs that were coming due anytime soon? You know we have to notify a duke about those. There's a ceremony and everything. Eric? I'm looking, I'm looking! If someone shows up to pledge their immortal soul to Satan and we're not prepared, they're going to dangle us in the boiling sulfur again. There's nothing written down in the book. No infernal appointments for today. It's just a blank page. Look. Doesn't mean we're in the clear. That just means no one wrote it down and we're probably going to get blamed for someone else's fuck up. Again. Oh shit! Wait! The cameras! The what? Cameras! Remember, Crowley had seeing TV put up so Beelzebub could see where everyone was at all times. Oh yeah, kept forgetting about that. Do you think they're watching us right now? Nah, they've probably got more important things to do. They'd probably delegate someone else to watch us. Ah, look, there we go. The greasy monitor flicks to life, displaying the interior of the lift. Is that... is that Crowley? Looks a lot like Crowley. Who's the other one? Dunno. Don't recognize them. Looks like someone from the offices. Not even a century's worth of dirt on them and they're barely charred. Probably got a job in paperwork. Nice one too. Everyone knows what happens to the junior filers. What are they saying? There's no sound. Is there sound? I don't know. Pretty sure there is. I definitely remember turning it off when we were getting shouted out. Hang on. No, not that one. The plus, maybe? No, that just made all the writing bigger. That one looks like a snake. What do you think the snake does? What about that one? Release the hellhound. No, get your fingers off. This is delicate equipment. Besides, I tried that one. Maybe it's broken? No, wait, I've got it, I've got it. There. 
elevator interior, the long drop from ground floor to basement. Ah, if you would just stay still for a second, this would be a lot easier. <laughs> I'm perfectly capable of drawing a mustache on myself. Yeah? Because you made it crooked twice. I wasn't going to watch you do it a third time. Now stop talking, or I'm going to turn it into a handlebar mustache by accident. Or on purpose. <laughs> you act like I just threw this all together. But I'm taking this very seriously. I made very well-considered preparations. Preparations? You're not prepared. Look at you. You basically decided that to infiltrate hell, you were going to dress up like a magician, rub a bit of dirt on your face, and stuff a pigeon under your hat. Aziraphale touches the hat self-consciously. The rabbit kept escaping, and I reasoned that might go poorly. <laughs> poorly? It's already going poorly. You look like a vaudeville villain. Is this what you think demons are? Dirt and dead animals? Well, I was led to believe the disheveled state of the clothing was something of an important part of the hellish aesthetic. Present company excluded, of course. You can't just tug out your shirt cuffs, tear a few seams, and congratulate yourself on a job well done. This is hell, Aziraphale. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. He tilts his chin up a touch when Crowley attempts the curl on his upper lip again. I know that it's more than just a matter of clothing. I'm aware that if you want to make the character believable, then there has to be a genuine understanding of their despair, a feeling that their misery is inescapable, an awareness of the day-to-day -day horrors they're subjected to. I'm right here, you know. The constant grinding oppression of hell. Still right here. Oh, not you, Crowley. My character has accepted that this is their ultimate fate, and has made peace with it. Crowley decides he's absolutely going to make one side of the moustache longer than the other. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear any of that. Aziraphale fidgets while Crowley miracles the eyeliner pencil to stop matting in the rapidly heating atmosphere of the lift. Thank you for coming with me, Crowley. I appreciate it. Of course I was going to come with you. What sort of stupid statement is that? And though I still think we're both out of our minds. All this for a book? Ugh, of course you tried to break into hell for a book. It's not just a book. It's very important that I retrieve it and that no one in hell manages to get their hands on it. You know, I wouldn't have come unless it was vitally important. The consequences of anyone down here should read it. Yes, yes, I believe you. That doesn't change the fact that this is a stupid, dangerous, mad idea. But I'm here, aren't I? Nah, don't look at me like that. Where else would I be? Cruelly. Be quiet and hold still. I'm finishing your moustache. He holds Aziraphale by his soft chin while he turns his head up, 
and Aziraphale looks so utterly trusting that Crowley half wants to bite him to make him stop. Because they're in hell, and the angel can't just go around looking like that, and certainly not at anyone who isn't him. There. Done. Congratulations. You've made a terrible fashion choice that all of hell can appreciate. Did you give it a slightly sinister curl at the edges? <laughs> Course I did. When have you ever known me to do a bad job? Will? I will take no criticisms. You're the one that wanted me to bring you to hell. No? Shut your mouth, we're not there yet. We haven't even got past one checkpoint. Or fooled one idiot demon with your half-dead pigeon and wobbly moustache. Don't you dare treat this like a lovely afternoon adventure. I do have some understanding of the stakes, you know. Oh no. Bless it, I wasn't trying to... I don't think you're... When they ask you for your name, what do you do? I shall introduce myself as the demon Asphelius, newly transferred from the offices of... No, no, don't do that. Do what? Don't talk in that voice. It's ridiculous. It's my demon voice. I've been practicing it all week. I modeled it after Haster. Like I said, it's ridiculous. Just use your normal talking voice, glare at people... Mention how much you enjoy indulging in sin, and don't, under any circumstances, look afraid. They're like sharks. They can smell weakness. If you have to say please and thank you, because I know you will, just try and make it sound like you're cursing them. Laugh, like you just found a magical child in the snow, and you're thrilled at the prospect of eating them. Yes, yes, I remember everything you told me. And then you'll also remember that I told you things go south in hell all the time. All the rules mean nothing if a duke or a lord shows up and wants to swing their influence around. We are in the very deepest shit if they catch us. <laughs> Our plan has some wiggle room in the event of unforeseen difficulties. Uh, stop making that face. Wiggle room is a thing. Uh, that wasn't what I was making the face over. We do have some experience with the unexpected. Yes, Aziraphale, we do. Unfortunately, that experience mostly consists of us running around making a mess of things while the world bursts into flames around us. Aziraphale manages to be the physical representation of pouty disappointment. I think we deserve a little more credit than that, Crowley. No, we really don't. Just treat everyone in Hell's general population as if they're a customer eating an ice cream and eyeing up your lost manuscripts. And everyone higher than a lord, like someone who's come to do a yearly review of your miracle budget. Oh, they always come when I'm not expecting it. I think that's the point. And don't mention the smell. I know it's like a third party to every conversation, but no one mentions it. It's the easiest way to make yourself look like a tourist. Noted. 
Crowley watches Aziraphale attempting to subtly practice his glare in the mirrored side of the lift as it slowly descends into hell. We're going to die. We saved the entire world from Armageddon, and we're going to die for a book. <laughs> I should have seen this coming. Business entrance to hell. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Eh, the signs seen better days, I know. It used to look more impressive a thousand years ago. Mm. Should I also put my hands in my pockets? No, if you want. It's to avoid accidental contact with the walls and surfaces. There's nothing worth touching down here. I have to say, it's much colder than I was expecting. <coughs> this is just the main entrance. It's done like that on purpose. It's like leaving the house wearing a coat because there's a fog and you know it's going to rain. And then by lunchtime it's 25 degrees and you're sweating in your expensive wool and your knee-high boots. I suppose some trickery is to be expected, what with the eternal torment. <sighs> it's worse, because in hell the 25 degrees is boiling sulphur. And the knee-high boots are a collection of flesh-eating beetles, and you can never take them off. Ooh, that does sound worse, I will admit. It's hell, Aziraphale. I guarantee you they'll be worse than this. Things you've lived thousands of years without even contemplating. Most demons aren't all that creative. But give some of them a few thousand years and enough humans to learn from, and they're perfectly capable of horrors that will leave you lying awake at night, hearing things you'll never be able to scrub from your mind, no matter how much you drink, or sleep, or turn into a snake and lie in the bottom of the bathtub. Ugh. Crowley runs out of breath before he remembers that he doesn't need it. He also can't remember what he was saying. Aziraphale is looking at him in a way that will give them away in a second. No demon looks at another demon like that. Ooh. Stop it! Cruelly, I know you're worried. You're damn right I'm worried. If anything goes wrong, we're going to have to think on our feet. We might have to bullshit our way out of trouble. Best to let me do the talking at that point. I have absolute faith in you. Don't say that word down here. Right, of course. Sorry. Don't say that one either. Uh, there'll be a demon at the checkpoint by the main entrance, but he shouldn't give us too much trouble. They don't really care about people coming into hell. It's leaving that's the problem. So, getting in should be easy. You prepared answers to the questions I gave you, right? 
Yes, yes. Hang on. Aziraphale rifles inside his jacket for some neatly written and apparently now laminated flashcards. Oh, here we go. If he asks me what I've been doing on Earth, I tell him I've been tempting, uh, internet influencers into gorging themselves at expensive banquets while people fight each other in the streets for the leftovers. Right. Good. Next one. Um, <clears throat> if he asks who sent me up, I say I was supposed to get permission from Duke Liga, but he never showed up, so I figured I'd write up the paperwork and deal with the consequences when I got back. Yes, and if he asks you who you report to? I say, well, certainly not him, and then I point at you and call you a, a lazy, fetid waste of skin. Mm-hmm. If he insists on knowing who you report to? I say a barian, because he's in the punishment pits for another four decades, and no one is going to check. Right. Yep. That's the best we can hope for, I suppose. There's something deeply troubling about entering hell with the Xerophil and Tau, or Asphelius. He'd have to remember not to give the game away. Which means no angel, either. Crawley's used to the noxious, stank atmosphere and the cloying air of eternal misery. The vague sense that any dark corner could be hiding a demon who decided to have it in for him today. Crowley's been exposed to it for long enough that he can let it all slide off him like a particularly over-friendly oil spill. <laughs> if you need a minute. No, no. <laughs> Aziraphir tries to tuck his waistcoat straight before remembering he'd left it at home in favor of one Crowley had acquired for him patterns in pigeon skulls for the aesthetic. No, it's best if we get in, retrieve my book, and then make our way out again. The longer we spend down here... Ah, oh, that reminds me. Uh, put your arms up, Angel. Like this? Why am I... Ooh! Ooh! Crowley tries to make the hug as functional as possible. He keeps his arms under the Angel's armpits, resists the urge to tuck his head into the soft expanse of his neck. This is a necessary step of their plan, though it occurs to him, as the body in his arms gradually softens, that he might have forgotten to share this part of the plan with Aziraphale. This is very... this is very unexpected, and very nice... Though I'm not sure if this is the best time, Crowley. Uh, no, you can't smell like an angel going into hell. Uh, get too close to anyone and they'll spot that a mile away. Crowley can feel the heat of Aziraphale's cheek against the side of his face. Ah, oh, of course. Yes, I understand completely. No, don't stiffen up. You have to, uh, sort of absorb a little of my aura. 
So they overlap if anyone looks. It sounds vaguely suggestive in Crowley's head, but he does his best to not let any of that into his voice. Control room 6. No loitering. What are they doing now? Grappling for dominance? But the strange one doesn't seem to be trying to get away. They're just sort of squeezing each other. I don't know. Trying to merge their corporations by the look of it. Don't think that's possible. Maybe they're doing the human kind of merging? Nah, too many clothes. And they're not moving enough. True. I always thought it was a bit silly. But hey, people can't seem to stop doing it. Maybe they're friends and they want to smell like each other. Huh. Maybe. I think I'd like that. Yeah, me too. Are they talking or biting each other? I can't tell. It must be biting. We could tell if there was sound. Hey, what happened to the sound? It probably cut out because of how wet it is down in the caverns. Oh, they're separating now. Hitting each other on the shoulder and not looking at each other? I think it's some sort of complicated ritual. Huh, wish I knew more about it. Yeah, most demons I know would rather throw me in with some angry hellhounds than squeeze or bite me nicely. I wonder how they made friends in the first place. Do you think they have a thing? A thing? Yeah. Do you think they've decided to only squeeze and bite each other and no one else? Like how Haster and Leaguer only really enjoyed fighting with each other. What? Like an arrangement? Might be fun for a change, if you could find someone who wouldn't stab you in the back the moment you looked away. No. No, they're getting away. It was just getting good. Where's the next one? About ten minutes up the tunnel, just past the sign-in desk. Ugh. A while yet, then. I've got some time to dig up some snacks. You want anything? It's been a long shift. Oh, some of those crunchy beetles that live under the desk in records would be nice. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. If you heat up the bucket you put them in, they get all toasted and they don't get away so often. And sometimes they pop in your mouth. You get a real snap of flavor. That does sound good. Okay, keep watch. Don't let anything good happen without me. Checkpoint 1. The Comings and Goings of Hellspawn. The demon at the front desk, which is really just a chunk of marble hastily erected between two melted slabs of rock, is a vaguely familiar face from centuries past. Grey horns rise from an unkempt mess of black hair, though the shape of the demon itself is indistinct beneath a series of increasingly moldy coats. Crowley hangs back a little, tries to look cool, tries to look as if he couldn't care less what happens to Aziraphale as he heads for the check-in. 
he's forgotten to do the walk that Crowley showed him, and he looks far too pleased about heading into hell. No one looks that pleased coming back here. He should have known a few days wasn't long enough to flatten out the angel's instinctive need to be polite and well-mannered. Crowley needs to be prepared if the shit hits the fan. Though he's fairly sure that, if the absolute worst happens, he could squeeze the gate guard in his coils long enough to render him immobile, so they could get back to the... Slow day? Crowley can feel his insides contracting in preparation. He's got the transformation down fairly well now. He could probably do it in a half-lunch. <laughs> Slow day? Yes. Ha! <laughs> Good joke. Aziraphale gives him a smile, and the guard nods approvingly, as if he's taking the display of so many teeth as a mark of respect. Aziraphale checks for a name on the slimy, burnt paperwork strewn across the marble. Bulgong. I've just popped back from upstairs. I'm afraid I may have gorged myself a little and quite lost track of time. In my defense, the chocolate and raspberry eclairs were to die for. My superiors will disapprove, but the ganache is almost worth the punishment. It's always worth the punishment. <laughs> ah, I almost wish I could go up there and try the food for myself. I've heard they stuff animals inside of other animals, and then you eat them whole. And they spear things onto wood and burn them until the juices spit into the fire. Oh, yes. Spit roasting transfers such a flavor, and the way the meat falls apart when you bite into it. Excellent. Very indulgent. Not to forget, of course, the animals inside animals, always a favorite. It really is just like home, only without the paperwork or the superiors. Bah, yes, paperwork. You better give me your name for the law. As Felius, and with any luck, I'll get to leave again soon. Fact-finding mission, I'll say. The truth is, I have restaurant reservations, and I don't want to be a no-show. I find the sushi there, a sort of thinly sliced sea creature, often eaten raw, to be the height of indulgence. You don't want to back down from a challenge to your display of prowess. Show them a good battle against sea creatures. <laughs> it certainly feels like that sometimes, though the end is always the hardest, trying to get one more morsel inside these corporations. Gosh, it leaves me quite a sight in my chair. The number of buttons I've had to undo before I can eventually get up and leave. I'll have you down as returned. If you promise to bring me back some sushi next time you're here. Hmm, I think I can manage that. Though it doesn't do well in the heat, so you'd best eat it here. Right, right. Go on through.
Ah, <laughs> oh, hi there, Bogon. Hey, Bobok. Oh, you have to be kidding me! Control room six. Who watches the watchers? Meanwhile, Eric and Eric are trying to look at three cameras at once. What are they doing in the Department of Records? Probably looking something up. That's the only reason people go in there. Besides, everyone knows if you stay in there too long, then you get filed. I can't see them. Is there another angle? Nah, the seeing TV only covers the exits. Dagon didn't appreciate the rest of Hell spying on her day-to-day -day business in there. The one Beelzebub did put in ended up hanging over one of the pits. I didn't think Crowley was allowed down here anymore, what with him being a persona non grata. All I'm getting is empty corridors and closed doors. There's too many to watch all at once. What does that mean, non grata? It means he's not allowed to come back because everyone's pretending to be pissed at him when they're actually secretly afraid but don't want to admit it. Also, that he's not invited anymore to anything. Wow, that's really specific. Still, it's not like we get invited to anything in the first place. I don't care. I think he's cool. Shh, shh, don't say that too loudly. The only one here is you, and you're not going to tell on me. Still, doesn't make sense though, does it? I mean, Crowley rebelled twice, the second time against everyone, and they tried to destroy him for it. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? What we've been doing all along? There's a difference between leaving all the drawers open so Haster walks into them, and trying to upend a plan that's been in motion for the better part of 6,000 years? I guess. But he must have done something right. He's immune to holy water and everything. That makes him immortal. We're all immortal? Yes, but we can still be killed. A bit. Or a lot. I mean, temporarily and permanently, I think. He can't anymore. I think you mean invulnerable then? Do I? Well, what do we do until they come out again? Just keep watching, I suppose. Do you think anyone else is watching? I mean, it feels like the sort of thing we're supposed to report in if Crowley's not supposed to be down here. Is he, though? I mean, it's not like anyone wrote it down, or told us not to let him in. So, if we don't tell anyone, then it won't matter. Is that what you're saying? I didn't actually say that, but yeah, probably. The Department of Records. Please state your name and deepest fear for the clerks. Oh, it's... it's considerably bigger than I was expecting. 
What? You thought hell wouldn't have records? It takes Crowley a second to work out that Aziraphale had stopped while he kept walking. The angel is looking up at the stacks and cabinets and creaking rings filled with dirty, dusty books and files. Come on, keep moving. Dagon's only out of here for a few hours. I expected them to be a little more blasé about record-keeping in general. What? You expected scribbled notes on pieces of dirty paper stuffed into the hole of a tree? Nothing quite like that, though I certainly didn't expect so much organization. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Dagon loves organization. She's pathological about it. I guarantee she knows where everything is in here. Every moldering folder, every tape, every microfiche, every clay tablet and beaded kipo. If something's going on in hell, Dagon will know about it. Where did you think all the ledgers of sin went? All the infernal contracts? All the grievances of ten million demons for the last six thousand years? I... I... I confess, I didn't expect that Hill would keep track so meticulously. I'm not saying it's the prettiest collection you've ever seen, or the most fragrant, but it's extensive. If the demon who took your book logged it in, and I'm willing to bet they did, what use would they have for it other than tribute for Hill? Then there'll be a record of it here. How on earth would we go about finding it, though? Did you not hear what I said about organization? <laughs> Eric? Good afternoon. <laughs> we want tribute records for the last ten dies, stuff from Earth. Some cheeky bastard nicked his book, and he's pretty furious about it. Uh, you'll have to fill in a search request so it can be logged. If it was taken during a fight, then you'll have to fill in Form 104A and 104B, Victory Spoils of Combat. If it was taken from a concealed location which you'd warded, then you'll have to fill in Form 62B and 124A, uh, Grievances Pertaining to Material Items. Then you'll have to construct an effigy of the demon in question so that they can writhe in pain until they're summoned to answer. Uh, how are we supposed to construct an effigy if we don't know who took it? Most people usually guess. Of course they do. Then there's a series of forms to reacquire and claim ownership of your property, and Hell demands some sort of tribute in exchange of equal or greater value. Shh, okay, okay, we get it. How do we just make sure it's in the archives? We don't want to go through all this nonsense if it turns out they've just pawned it off on someone else. The last six days haven't been logged yet. It's the last door at the end of the hall. Though, I'm duty-bound to inform you that if you try to remove anything from the archives without permission, terrible and gruesome things will befall you. Terrible and gruesome? Dagon requests we use those exact words, yes. Oh, I think we have a good idea of what terrible and gruesome looks like. 
We've seen many varieties of it over the years, haven't we? Eric's eyes slide sideways to Aziraphale, and Crowley isn't looking, but he knows that the angel is smiling again. You'll need to fill in a search form. Eric slowly slides a pink piece of paper through the only space where the desk can be seen. Aziraphale leans in immediately. Yeah, just scribble your name on it, as Phileas. Uh, no one actually fills in the forms. Oh no, we must abide by the rules of paperwork. We can't let someone cheat us on the fine print. Since you're witnessing my request, I shall be putting your name down as well. Eric's eyes drift downwards to follow Aziraphale's perfect handwriting, carefully laying his name to the paper. Crowley sighs, but decides he let the angel enjoy himself. It's not like they're ever going to come back here. Luckily, Aziraphale has enough experience with human contracts and terms and conditions to breeze through the clauses and subclauses and hidden clauses without too much wasted time. He hands it back without a smudge or a smear of ink to be seen. Be sure to file it properly. Right. Absolutely. The keys are unpleasantly sticky in Crowley's hands. He's reminded viscerally of all the ways he hates being in hell. Crowley half expects Eric to watch them go, but he sinks back beneath his stacks of paper and there's only rustling to be heard. Do you know exactly who took it? I mean, did you see? They came in with the customers, which means they must have looked relatively normal. Humans might be easily fooled, but I would have felt it if anyone tried. Why wasn't it locked away? An important demonology text just out there in the open, where anyone could see it? That's not like you. Ah, well, I may have been browsing through the collection it was in. But you're right, I should have taken more care with it. So you think the book was targeted on purpose? Oh, I don't know. Aziraphale's hands come together, so he can nervously twist his fingers. Crowley lays his own hand over them and gently makes him stop. The demon persona he's adopted is not the sort for nervous body language. It seems... it seems too much of a coincidence to be a random theft. But the truth is, I've been a little lax with my security since Armageddon. It might not have been the first time I left the collection unlocked. Someone could have noticed the sort of things I keep in there, and relayed it to interested parties who'd simply waited for an opportunity. Well, I know you said the book could be dangerous if it fell into the wrong hands. Oh, yes, I did. It's true. The book could 
definitely be dangerous in the wrong hands. There are things written in it which I would certainly hate any demon to read. Secrets. Terrible secrets. It's all right, Angel. I mean, demon. Ugh, no, that's terrible. As Phileas, we'll get it back. That's what we're here for, after all. Chamber of Excruciating Meetings. Wait your turn. Dagon has been listening to Hester complain about her newly implemented and perfectly simple rules concerning permissions for access to Earth for an hour. She'd already dumped them down for him and forced an Eric to fill in the appropriate forms. But he seems convinced that it's a sinister and mysterious plot to distract him from his Satan-given task. He's doing an excellent job distracting them all himself. This was supposed to be a simple rule change, not a topic of fucking debate. Does Ducaster have anything else to say on the matter? If I'm ordered by Satan himself to go to Earth at once, then staying to file paperwork would be willful disobedience. The paperwork is how Satan has a record of everything that goes on in hell. It's how all of us are held accountable. Much as she'd love to see if biting into his face would shut him up, she doesn't have time for it. Are you suggesting that you are above the bureaucracy of hell, Duke Hester? No, my prince, of course not. I'm simply angry that my service is being hampered by busy work. My lord Dagon. Normally, she'd bite an Eric for bothering her, on principle, but she's so glad for the interruption that she simply glares at him until he shakily passes a form to her. What's this? Search form 11B. No one fills in the search forms. They're not mandatory. A quick glance confirms it. And a skim through it leaves her even more curious. The curling penmanship is an exercise in arrogant mockery. The letters are so practiced and so natural that the demon responsible could have forged any signature ever written. The playful, well-read cadence of every line is subtly vicious. This demon could have penned a letter claiming responsibility for any death, could have written a heretical treatise that lived in infamy for centuries. There's a clear refusal to go outside the boxes, or to leave a single smudge on the paper. Where is this Aspelius now?
lost and found. You lost it, we found it. You said brown and red leather, eight and a half inches, stylized red eye within a diamond on the cover, black stitching. A bit fancy for your tastes, isn't it? Usually the ones that are the real thing are nondescript affairs in brown leather. Crowley crouches down so he can look at a row of dusty shapes which appear to be the entire series of TJ Hooker on VHS. Or human skin. And somehow that never goes out of fashion, even though it's terrible for binding. Yes, I suspect that was part of the reason for it. Something so obviously and garishly occult would be overlooked by the right people, and with any luck, the wrong people would not have the expertise necessary to unearth its secrets. <laughs> Till it got nicked by a demon. Yes, I rather doubt that was conceived as a possibility. And the truth is, I really am very annoyed at my own carelessness. It's not your fault, Angel. I mean, Asphelius, fellow demon. <laughs> Aziraphale looks tempted to throw the three-cornered hat he's holding at him. What is all this junk anyway? If I didn't know any better, I'd wager that half of it's been here a hell of a lot longer than six days. Perhaps there's been something of a backlog. Yeah, feels more like someone messed up logging this stuff in the first time, and it got returned to be inventoried again, which isn't a good sign. Hey, hey, stop that. Doors in hell aren't to be trusted. Demons put things in them so they don't have to think about them, or look at them. I hesitate to ask, why isn't a backlog a good sign? Aziraphale wipes his hand on his trousers, possibly assuming that will alleviate the unpleasant sticky feeling that every surface leaves on you. It won't, Crowley knows from experience. Because it suggests that Dagon is implementing a new system, one that's a bit stricter about finding out what sort of bric-a-brac and old tat people are pawning off as glorious tribute. He picks up a tarnished flaking trumpet, missing a mouthpiece and two of its valves. Kaisen Point? I'm not even going to think about what that was. So you're saying my book might be buried under all this? Worse. It might have gone through a more in-depth check than I thought. Oh, you mean someone might have read it? I did ensure that the most incriminating, I, I mean, the most dangerous and threatening passages were difficult to decipher at first glance. Even to a demon? If they were to skim it quickly, there's a chance they would simply think it was a basic 18th century exploration into the binding of demons, and notes on how to acquire the gift of foresight. Hmm. 
as I said, I wasn't expecting the book to be taken by demons. I shouldn't have even taken it out. I should have kept it locked away. Crowley would normally try and reassure the angel. Very undemonic of him. But they're in hell. And, to be honest, they can't take the chance. It's too late to beat yourself up over it now. Let's just find it and get out of here. Right. You're right, of course. Crowley is mostly letting him work through the shelving. Aziraphale has experience picking out books at a glance, and he doesn't really want the angel arm deep in whatever detritus that Hell had seen fit to just toss on the floor. Or worse, dump in a box of cursed artifacts. Which does bring up a horrible thought. And just as a precaution, best not to pick up anything that looks or feels cursed. Rowley isn't going to be best pleased if he accidentally lays a hand on one himself, but Aziraphale might be in genuine danger. You assume I'm not already checking everything? We're in Hell's Lost and Found. Uh, sorry, Hell's Room of Tribute and Gifts for the Glory of Satan. Doing anything else would feel reckless. <coughs> Rowley can still feel the patina of the trumpet, even though he'd put it down several minutes ago. He's starting to feel a bit like Hell's Lost and Found himself. Mm, no. I'll think you were right the first time. There's only so many times you can... Oh! Oh, Crowley! I found it! I found it! Why would you put shoes on top of it? This is disgraceful treatment. This book is 200 years old. I don't even want to think about what the heat and the damp is doing to the pages. Or the stitching. Ugh! <gasps> Crowley sees the drift of dark green fabric through the gaps in the packed shelves. He reaches up for the closest heavy object to hand, which turns out to be a statue of a badly made, one-legged flamingo. He squeezes the neck as he drifts closer. They have the book. All he has to do is slither out and crack the demon over the head. And they'll be out of hell before Xerophil can say tickety-fucking-boo. Oh, I have half a mind to complain. The disregard is infuriating. You must be Asphelius. Control Room 6 Two idiots with a plan. Eric and Eric both watch as Dagan pushes open the door to the Lost and Found, where Crowley and his demon friend were still doing Satan knew what. A few minutes after she enters, the door opens again. She exits the room with Crowley's demon friend, 
but Crowley doesn't follow them out. The door closes with a grim sort of finality. Oh no. Oh no! Where's Crowley? They went in there together. Did he come out the other entrance? No, I was watching it. He must still be in there. Not if she discorporated him. Do you think she discorporated him? What are you asking me for? We're watching the same screen. The grainy image of Dagon drops a hand onto the strange demon's shoulder. She's talking. But even if Eric had learned to lip-read, the words are obscured by her collar. What's happening? What's she saying? Dagon's smiling. I think this is very bad. This is a disaster. No, look! Eric reaches over for Eric's chin and drags his head up to another monitor, where Crowley can be seen slithering out of the second exit to the lost and found. He promptly flattens himself back against the nearest wall, and even with the sound off, they can both tell that he's not happy about his friend being taken. Crowley's friend is going to get dragged away to some sort of horrible torture, and then he'll get discorporated and Crowley will probably have to leave hell without him. Yep, that sounds about right. I can't imagine it was easy for them to get in the first time. Do you think he'd come back for him? Seems like a bad ending if they don't get to leave together. I know we're supposed to be all for bad endings, but this one doesn't feel fun. We should do something. We could probably do something. I mean, we have all this stuff. Eric gestures at the array of buttons, switches, levers, and cursed objects they have access to. We'd get in so much trouble. We always get in trouble. It wouldn't be any different to any other day. Yes, but discorporation isn't exactly something we enjoy experiencing. I know, I avoid it wherever possible. I mean, yes, obviously, but we always come back, don't we? It's why no one ever pays much attention to us, or bothers to remember which one we are. What does it matter? There'll be a new one along in a minute, right? We do what we're told and stay where we're put. But what if we didn't? What would Crowley do in this situation? <laughs> Probably something very clever and cool. Right, something very clever and cool. But... Since we're not half as clever or cool as him, we'll just have to improvise. We'll have to think up something that would impress him. We'll have to be imaginative. He's probably never going to know about it, though. Yes, well, we'll know. Corridor 16. An impromptu interview. Aziraphale is doing the best job he can to maintain his demon disguise while he is, at the very moment, being led from the room by the lord of all of hell's bureaucracy. The book they'd come to hell for is gripped a little too tightly in one hand, but he can't quite bring himself to worry about the state of the leather or the stitching right at this moment. And you say you report to a barian? This was not a conversation they'd prepared for, and he knows exactly the face Crowley would make at the idea of him deciding to do the best job with the details he has. 
demons seem to respond well to aggressive honesty, a flagrant disregard for other people, and a heavy dose of smug arrogance. If he can just be a little bit of a bastard, he might escape from this intact, find Crowley, and get out of here safely. Oh, not by choice, I can assure you. He's rather too fond of uh, being loudly and repeatedly wrong for my taste. <laughs> A good-for-nothing superior is good-for-nothing. What's your main work? Uh, forgery, mostly. Old books. So many opportunities to sow discord and lies. And that one? Oh, um, a project I was working on. Aziraphale takes a moment to consider what Lord Dagon will find interesting, and also if he wants to be found interesting. Letting her take the book would be disastrous. Demonology texts, which can be hidden seamlessly among any old collection, just enough to learn a soul, eager to give everything in exchange for material goods. Until someone stole it, if they've damaged the bindings, I'll have to redo them. You're a smart one, then. A smart can sometimes do a better job of keeping you out of the sulfur pits than an ability to spew acid. <laughs> Aziraphale is going to take Dagon's barking laughter as a good sign. She makes a fist, and he feels the stinging flare of demonic energy slither through the book in his other hand. He doesn't react, even as the flesh of his fingers is painfully scorched by Dagon's so-called powers. Keep the book. No horrible and gruesome after-effects on that one. But I can see your talents are being wasted. If there's one thing we need in records, it's efficiency. I'll put in a transfer demand. Once a barian has finished his time in the pit of agony, I'll have him sign off and you can come work for me. Oh, it's an honor to be chosen, my lord. Honor nothing. I'm sick of being given people who kiss the right asses. I want efficiency. I want loyalty. You must be loyal if you've stayed under a barrier for so long. Useless failure of a demon. I'd wager the few successes he's had over the last thousand years have been your doing. You're too calm. Terrifying for a barbarian to even think of protesting, I'm sure. Damn right I am. We can have your stuff sent sometime in the next year or so. Ah, fuck it. I'll backdate the request. Feel free to set your old office on fire when you get to it. I'll give you the permission slip. After that, we can... <coughs> Is it working? Why am I echoing? Oh, right. <clears throat> Emergency announcement. Will Lord Dagon please report to filing room 4? A loose hellhound has caused an incident in the stacks. 
and several years' worth of files are in danger of becoming unrecoverable. What? How did a hellhound get inside? That's impossible. Those files are locked up for a reason. Those documents are vital, and I will not stand for them being damaged. I'll have someone's head for this. I'll have more than their head. I'll take as many limbs as they have, and then I'll see them put in a fresh corporation, so I can go back for seconds. Aziraphale reasons that staying perfectly still and acting a lot like an unimportant stretch of kelp floating in the depths will be the best course of action here. He fears that drawing too much of Dagon's attention will result in her biting him purely on reflex, and she'll definitely notice that he's not a demon if she gets her teeth into him. A hellhound! This is either gross incompetence or treachery. If I find any of the official paperwork damaged, I'll... As Felius, back to work, I'll send the relevant forms to your department. Come to the file room when you get it, assuming it's still there. I'm surrounded by idiots. I'm afraid I will have to decline your very kind and generous offer of employment, but I have made prior arrangements. I'm so glad you agree. I feel that I'm not suited for the position, and to be perfectly honest, I'm quite happy where I am. No one comes out to tell him he's not supposed to be here. It's an astonishing stroke of luck. Really, and he fully intends to grasp it with both hands and find Crowley. Okay, okay, that seemed to work. Yeah, except he's going in completely the wrong direction. Crowley's over there. Shit, if he keeps heading that way, he's gonna run into Haster. Yeah, and that hellhound we, uh, accidentally released into the sulfur pits. Can we turn him around somehow? What if we moved the rooms? Can we move the rooms? What? Yeah, yeah, like that time we made that endless corridor to fuck with Leaguer when he discorporated one of us? Right. Uh... Quickly, quickly. Oh, what the hell? Why did he suddenly go left? This one, then that one, then... Wait, he stopped. Why did he stop? Damn, I can't change the room. It's jammed. There must be someone in that room, maybe? Well, who is it? I don't know, the camera's not working. It's just... white. Aziraphale's half-peering into offices and half-hurrying past employees when he hears a shockingly familiar voice and briefly thinks he's going mad. A mutually beneficial exchange, as it were. During this unexpected delay to the last glorious battle. The only thing that's beneficial to me is your continued absence from my sight, Gabriel. I'm offering an exchange of information. 
On a trial basis, of course. A trial basis during which you prove you're not completely incompetent. There's the office who lost an entire antichrist and didn't notice for a decade. Aziraphale finally comes level with the door that the voices are coming from, and through the grimy window he can see Prince Beelzebub themselves. Legs thrown up on a large black desk. There's a half-charred landline telephone at their elbow, the receiver thrown down next to it, though that doesn't seem to be hurting the volume of the person on the other end. This is a one-time-only deal. The voice of the Archangel Gabriel is unmistakable and Aziraphale learns that he's quite capable of being even more uncomfortable in hell than he previously thought. You said that last time. Demons can be slow on the uptake, I found. I found angels can be blatant and unrepentant liars. I expect half the information you have to offer will be worthless. A complete waste of my time. It should be an argument. It certainly sounds like an argument. But Aziraphale has a horrible feeling that both of them are enjoying it. There is more than a slight air of, of banter about the whole thing. He's still wondering whether heaven and hell have developed some sort of arrangement of their own when a fly bombs the glass he's peering through. <gasps> and Beelzebub suddenly looks up. Aziraphale has enough sense to turn slightly so that the only thing in view is the dusty side of his hair and the world's saddest-looking pigeon. After a moment, the conversation starts up again and he slowly continues on his way. Corridor 82. Fiend wanted for the end of the world. Crowley had left the flamingo on a desk on the third level. It seemed too incriminating to take with him, and it was too flimsy to use as a weapon. He's not sure if it will provide a clue if anyone comes back here looking for him, but he doesn't care. His own priority right now is finding out where Dagon took Aziraphale and plotting some sort of clever way to break him out and get them both out of hell before anyone notices. He's going to need to pass one of the main officers if he wants to explore further. But that will bring his presence in hell to far more demons than he's entirely happy with, and might put Aziraphale in more danger. 
Nothing too difficult. Just break back into some of the most well-travelled offices in this circle and find an angel who I never should have brought to hell in the first place. He could build some sort of distraction. There's nothing hell likes more than to gawp at some disaster that's going to be someone else's problem. That will bring more than half of them out of their offices, and maybe he can sneak past. <sighs> I brought him because he asked. Because I'm an idiot. Never said no to him before. But I should have started. I should have made the effort. This is my fault. And of course it is. But he can still get them both out. He just has to keep his wits about him. Keep calm. Not think about what might be happening to Aziraphale right this minute, while he's probably at least three circles away from him. They might even have worked out that he's an angel already. He might have to go deeper, all the way down to the pits. He's not letting his angel down, even if he has to be the sort of demon... Someone offers him a bucket full of toasted beetles. The little legs and wings slathered in honey and hot spices. Ugh, go away! Oh, well that's not very nice. It took me ages to walk back here, and I didn't know which direction I was supposed to be going in half the time. Angel! Shush! Ah! I thought she'd been dragged off. Crawley's arms won't stop slithering from his pockets to mid-air, as if they want to do something very stupid indeed. I was so... Aziraphale finally looks at him, his dusty, grime-smudged face going impossibly soft. I was worried about you too. I'm so glad you didn't get caught. It was my fault. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, it was no one's fault. Just unfortunate timing. But we're together again now. How did you manage to get away? <laughs> I was very lucky. There was some ruckus with a hellhound that Dagon had to rush off and fix. I managed to sidle off while no one was paying attention. And look! I even still have the book. No curses or unfortunate incidents on it, either. Well, that's a fucking relief. I had plans to take it down to curse-breaking, cash in an old favour, but... Ah, don't smile at me like that. We're not out of the woods yet. I knew all I had to do was find you, and everything would be all right. Azira... There's a lift on this level that will take us back to the main entrance. Come on. Crowley doesn't think too much about it. He just grabs Aziraphale's wrist and tucks him through the badly lit cubicles. He's not risking losing him again. They have to wait behind a filing cabinet for the lift to be empty. Then they squeeze in together, while Crowley hammers the button with an impatient finger. 
Borgon waves absently at them as they pass, which seems more of a miracle than a stroke of luck. Don't forget the sushi! For a moment, would you? I fear the pigeon has not dealt with this little adventure at all well, which has caused something of a disaster to happen to the back of my coat. Crowley flips the book open while the angel passes. There are the familiar sharp diagrams relating to demon summoning, some tattoos to be drawn in blood, a few badly translated names which are only liable to get you a hearing-impaired demon, and a long explanation of how to look beyond the world, and the dangers that could result from that. But he can't help but notice that every fourth page is strangely thick, as if it's actually two pages stuck together. Is this where the secrets are hidden, he wonders. He picks at one, giving it a nudge of encouragement with his occult powers, and it reluctantly separates, revealing a page of writing and what looks like a scrap of fabric. My darling demon, I saw you today. I saw you for the first time in years. I've forbidden the words to tell you how much I missed you. To reach out and grasp whatever fashionable thing you garb yourself in. To see you as the centuries go by. So changeable, but always unchanging. I hope that I am something of the same to you. That you have become accustomed to my face. If you miss me half as much, I will consider myself blessed. Crowley's fingers pressed to the paper all the breath leaving him before he moves on a few pages. He separates another two to find petals from a flower he'd dared to tuck jauntily into a zero pills pocket after their lunch in 1922. Is it wrong to pretend that it was for me? That it was a token of love you gave me? I would know your silhouette like my own breath. The tower you have built in me rivals any ever built by man. It would never fall but by your own hand. I am yours. I have always been and will always remain. But to speak of it would be... <gasps> oh, you weren't supposed to read it. Zerifel. I would say that I can explain, but I fear that you've already exposed the whole of the secret yourself. The secret was me. Yes. The secret you were protecting was me. Always. Crowley is feeling far too much to bear by himself. He finds that he has to catch hold of a zero fear to bow into him, lay their foreheads together, tangle their hands, join their mouths. They kiss all the way back to Earth. <coughs> Control Room 6 All Hell That Ends Hell 
Are we allowed to do that? Eric's watching the same thing on the same screen. The lift may as well no longer exist but for its two occupants, but Crowley's searching hands have knocked the other demons head askew, sending the pigeon inside fluttering to the ground. The moustache has smeared across his upper lip. He looks... Eric is fairly sure he's seen him before. Eric, does that demon look familiar to you? What, Crowley? No, not Crowley. The other one. Notes from the audio say his name is Asphelius, but he's never given us any orders. I don't think he's a demon. Saying the words feels illicit, but he's going to do it anyway. I think that's the angel Aziraphale. Satan's tits. Isn't it? It is. I don't think they're just traitors together. The lift has slowed down, as if it doesn't want to part them prematurely. What if they came down together because that's what they do? I think we were right, that they only want to fight each other. I think they stopped the end of the world so that they wouldn't have to fight anyone else, ever. And both sides were so angry about it that they tried to have them killed. But they didn't know that it was impossible. Oh. No wonder he wasn't afraid of us. He's probably been fighting Crowley for millennia. And maybe sometimes not fighting? You think they do what angels do instead? Eric touches the screen. It's been a very long time, but he remembers. He doesn't say the word, though. That one feels more than illicit. It feels forbidden. They'd always been told that demons couldn't ever again. But Crowley had. What else do they lie to us about, do you think? Maybe we should ask around. After all, what are they gonna do? Kill us? The end.